This is your host Shane. Welcome to Radical Rocks. Today we're going to talk about how fine gems can have been found to grow in just minutes. Some of these gemstones are pegmatite gemstones and include aquamarine. We're going to talk about tourmaline again um, this episode because it is this month's birthstone. We're going to talk about a dig kit. This is a great way to get kids interested in gemstones and fossils. We're going to talk about opals and opal hunters. We've got a couple of fossil stories um, and also about uh, a couple of human interest stories as well. So before we get into it, I want to thank you guys again, as always, for supporting the channel, for supporting our social media. You can find all of our links on any one of our blogs at the bottom at radicalrocksusa.blogspot.com. And I will put that link in the description also, just wanted to let you know that uh, our work that we do is geared toward um, advancing our um, what we're doing here with rocks and minerals and providing better content, paying for those things, and also for giving back to the rock and gym and rock hounding and all of that uh, for educational work. We have donated more than what we've actually made on our social media and right now on our podcast, um, our funding, uh, we don't have a um, supporter for the show right now. Now, we did, and we plan to have another one soon. But in the meantime, we've put a uh, donation link in the description if you feel like you would like to donate. It's not tax deductible or anything, but uh, we would appreciate any help if you f- so feel inclined. So let's get right into today's episode. First of all, We've got a really great story about these Ice Age manatees that may have called Texas their home. Um, these wonderful creatures uh, were discovered, and the age is thought to be during the Ice Age that they lived through. Now, they have a picture here at the website, website www.itemonline.com. And the article's entitled, Ice Age Manatees May Have Called Texas Home, written by Monica Cortisha on October the 2nd. And um, they're really starting to put together a lot of information uh, through the University of Texas and Austin um, at the uh, Sam Houston State University. They found a lot of evidence that shows that manatees along the Texas coast have been there for many, many, many years, uh, up to 240,000 years ago, they estimate, and they're a totally different kind. In fact, there was a uh, representative that actually donated one of the bones that they had found um, and that is being studied and is found to be an extinct species that uh, once swam up and down that coast. So really neat history. If you want to find out more about it, um, just go to the article and find out. But they have been finding a lot of these manatee fossils up and down the coast there. Next, let's talk about a gentleman here who was a rock hound. I always try to do, you know, a little bit of human interest when I come across them. Of course, I can't do them all, but on uh, this muskogeephoenix.com, M-U-S-K-O-G-E-E, phoenix.com. There was an article put out October the 3rd called Kilgore's Corner Rocking Good Times. Now this individual here um, had a museum called the D.W. 
Corel Museum located on Old Route 66 um, in a little town called Catoosa, C-A-T-O-O-S-A. And this gentleman uh, who was from Rockford, Colorado, uh, ended up uh, becoming a rock hound. He lived in uh, Oklahoma and he lived there for many, many years. Uh, he did many, many things. I'm not going to go into it all, but he was an avid rock collector. He once even owned a gold mine in the state of Oklahoma, which is really not known as a super big gold state. But his rock collection was so big, and he opened a actual museum in the city of Catosa um, so future generations could enjoy this. And the Tulsa, so this is in Oklahoma, the Tulsa Rock and Mineral Society is hosting their sixth annual swap and open house on October 17th. Um, and they are going to be in partnership with Oklahoma State uh, Council of Mineralogical Societies and the Tulsa Rock and Mineral Society and have a free event at the museum and uh, kind of in his honor um, and at the museum there. So really a neat thing going on there, something to put on uh, maybe your bucket list or if you're in Oklahoma um, to check out that museum. Now another uh, human interest. This is pretty much our only other human interest article. Richard Dick Warren Williams, um, he lived from January 21st, 1943 until September 20th, 2020. And um, he uh, obviously here by looking at the um, obituary here was a man of the Lord, but he was a rock hounder and uh, he developed a, ha a love for rock hounding and Dick would often say it looks like a good week to go rock hounding and he and uh, I imagine his wife here uh, Claire clearly would go and a lot of times his family and his son David would go as well so rock hounding fishing and things like this with his family was something he really enjoyed and now he is rock hounding in the streets of gold um, with his lord all right. Next, I want to talk about lab-grown diamonds and gemstones. Um, now, I bumped into this article, and it made me think of a far-reaching uh, subject, which I'll go into just quickly. It's at www.retailer-jeweler.com. The article's written on October the 5th by Cybohan Holt, and uh, he said... It's not just diamonds that are laboratory grown, but there's rubies and sapphires and all sorts of stuff. And I noticed in my search for buying lapidary material, excuse me, <coughs> and, uh, you know, looking at gemstones and minerals, mineral samples, that there is a lot of lab created stuff going out there, even in the rock and mineral especially mineral collecting world, um, I am seeing that several crystals, crystals um, that are being sold, some of them very cheap, only a few dollars, beautiful, different crystals of different types. Um, so if you come across these on eBay or um, Amazon and stuff and you see a beautiful specimen, be sure to read very, very thoroughly because if it looks like it's it's a really spectacular specimen and it's only a few dollars and you're just like, wow, what a great deal. Um, it could be one that's lab grown. Um, and although they're beautiful and it's a way for people that, uh, you know, can't afford um, a natural one, it, it has, you know, that um, is a good part of it. So I don't, I don't knock it, but I don't, you know, want to um, collect those for the most part um, because they're not going to hold their value. 
because they're just going to be so plentiful. Um, basically, you're going to want mineral specimens that you know where they came from, you have a good source, and um, were collected and cataloged properly. Okay, So that's just kind of made me think of that. Now, there's another fossil news I want to share with you. It was written on October the 5th by Harold Scotland Online. Um, you can find that at www.heraldscotland.com. And it, the article's world-class fossil hall to be showcased at the new visitor center. And basically, there is this huge collection here in Scotland called the Donald Shelley's stunning collection of crystals, fossils, and rocks from Sutherlands is believed to be worth as much as 600000 and I believe that's Lear's. And that's about all I can get from the article, but a shout-out to our friends there that are in Scotland. And uh, we do have a couple listeners from there, so we thank you. And um, if you're in the area, there is that event. Um, and it's happening... Where's the date? came out on the 5th. And doesn't even give the date. That's pretty bad. So, yeah, maybe that wasn't the best one to cover. But uh, it's at the Visitor Center. So I guess it'll be open from now on. So that sounds like something you can go visit at the Don Donald Shelley Visitor Center. All right. Next. Um, the digging kit. Okay, before we get into the rocks and gems, we're going to talk about the digging kit. If you go to www.msn.com, um, you will see an article, which really is kind of like an ad. But uh, I thought it was interesting because how do we keep our young people interested in rocks, gems, and minerals? I volunteered and gone to schools and churches, and I will hand out uh, typically rocks that have been tumbled. They're pretty colors. Um, hand those out to them and bring samples of fossils and rocks and crystals to let the kids touch and look at um, and give them each a few of their own little rocks that they can have and and, um, and talk about geology and gemstones and how it makes jewelry and how everything around us is made from rocks or minerals. So this kit here kind of is a you know, for a very, very beginner, right? Like a little kid, a little tiny kid. Um, and you can have, you can buy different kits. One of them's dino egg. It looks like an egg and they break it open and there's a little plastic dinosaur in there and they can paint it or whatever. And then they have actual where there's real fossils inside that a kid can get. And those are pretty cool. And then they have some where actually you dig out real gemstones and it comes with a little magnifying glass and you know it's it's says it's Nash it says National Geographics on it so it looks you know looks pretty important looks pretty fancy but these are things that are ideas that help instill in the next generation the love of rocks gems and minerals and understand that these are things that we need you know and um, things that they can enjoy and that are out there for them to look at now let's talk about Australia opals. Um, in the article, HTTPS semicolon backslash, backslash TV blackbox.com.au, this article is entitled Australia's Outback Opal Hunters Return This Week with a Brand New Season and uh, came out on uh, October the 6th. There's a show on the Discovery Channel called the Out 
back opal hunters. And this is going to be um, their big season. I think it's their fifth or sixth season. And they're going to find $1,200 worth of opal in one day. They're going to find the most valuable single piece of opal. And um, they are all over. They're at Lightning Ridge, which you know that is a famous place for opal um, and other areas. they got a little clip here you can watch if you want. Um, they really... Um, it's it's a fun way to entertain and find out about these outback opal hunters and um, the rocks that they find. Now, opal um, is uh, not where ninety percent of opal is found is in Australia's outback, and it's worth up to five hundred times more than gold. A single piece can fetch millions of dollars. So, this is like a real treasure hunting show when you think of it that way. Um, if you want to see it. Uh, it's season five. It premieres Tuesday, the 8th, October at 730 on the Discovery Channel. So uh, that will be tomorrow, but I'm sure you'll be able to look up back uh, back uh, shows, shows from the past and stuff like that. Okay, now next, <clears throat> we've talked about um, tourmalines a lot. I went to the Ocean View Mine. Uh, I don't know, three weeks ago or so, three or four weeks, and I mined tourmaline. Very, very fun. If you ever have the opportunity to do that, I recommend you go and do it um, and listen to our episode on that. It was a lot of fun. I've got videos on it uh, on YouTube, a couple videos. You can tune into those. I, one of them I fast-forward through you know, the shifting, and it, believe me, there's a lot of work involved. But uh, at the end, I show you all the stuff I found, and I, I did bring a lot of goodies back. So it was well worth it. But tourmalines are just beautiful. They are also an alternative birthstone for the month of October. And if you go to Forbes.com, and uh, under October the 2nd, the article's called October is the Month to Celebrate Tourmalines by Beth Bernstein. And she typically writes about watches and jewelry, but... There's a beautiful a watermelon tourmaline where it's green on top and red at the bottom in these teardrop earrings. Just, wow, this stuff is so pretty. Um, she talks about tourmalines and how, you know, they have the rainbow colors and which ones are more popular, such as the watermelon and, and things like that. Um, and she talks about uh, December being, you know, having these three different gemstones and June having three different gemstones. And she'd like to see tourmaline elevated um, in status for birthstones. But some of the colors they have is a stunning aqua blue called a parabola, parabola, P-A-R-A-I-B-A, beautiful, beautiful blue, like an electric blue. Um, they've got another piece of tourmaline here on a pennant for a necklace where it fades from green to white to purple, uh, like a reddish purple to a purplish purple. I mean, it's such a color change. It reminds me of what you see in some of the um, fluorite that has many different color changes through one crystal. Another beautiful watermelon piece and pink tourmaline, which, you know, pink is very rare for gemstones. Morganite is a very popular one that is sometimes found along with uh, tourmaline, but the pink tourmaline is uh, something to see. Green, of course, uh, all different shades of green tourmaline can be found. There's some pictures of that there. There's a tourmaline um, bracelet that they have here made out of... Um, kind of faceted beads with black, purple, gray, red, pink, white, yellow, green, all different shades of greens, orange, um, 
just something else. And there's a necklace here made with little square. Um, and they look like they might be somewhat fa faceted. They've got some angle to them. Uh, many colors of the rainbow. Beautiful. Another one has uh, highlights of uh, dark, dark blue kind of plumed through it with a deep, rich emerald green. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, uh, forget what they call that. Uh, indicolite. Indicolite. So it is an indicolite tourmaline. Beautiful. There's pictures of that here. Uh, a heart with rainbow selection of tourmalines around it. Uh, more pink tourmaline. Beautiful orange tourmaline. All different shades of green. Here's a spectacular piece of tourmaline that is a bicolored tourmaline that actually looks like it has some rutilated um, little um, spheres going through it that goes from red to clear to uh, a green. It's just spectacular. Many different pieces here that are just amazing. Now for one article that I wanted to share with you that I thought was really unusual. Um, they're learning so much, you know, and of course, sometimes it changes with science. You know, when people say, oh, you got to go to the science. Well, science always changes. And, um, and same thing in geology. Opinions and ideas and discoveries change our opinions and make us think, well, you know, there's either another possibility or maybe the other possibility, the old possibilities were wrong or what have you, but it helps you expand your understanding of how these things came about and how they um, were formed. This one's called The Earth Grows Fine Minerals in Minutes. Now, on uh, www.sciencedaily.com, uh, it was written by uh, Rice University on October 6th, and it says crystals could grow up to a yard per day in some cooling magmas. Now, aquamarine, emerald, garnet, zircon, and topaz are a few of crystalline materials that are found in pigmatites. Pigmatites are vein-like formation that contain, usually, large crystals, hard-to-find elements like titanium and nibelum and lithium and other minerals that are very vitally important. Now, lithium, if you're up on the electric cars and the you know a lot of uh, social media and uh, talking heads are all about the new electric car craze that's supposed to be coming the next 15 to 20 years you're going to need more lithium than what we have available to be able to have all electric cars um, that's just a fact there's not enough lithium to go around so eventually as the production of these cars go up the lithium's going to go down so we're going to need this stuff so finding out this information in this college is important but along the route of uh just lithium what they understanding during these studies um, a Rice graduate student, Patrick Phillips, co-author of the study Online Nature Communications, is understanding that the pigmi pigmentate growth rates are, are being questioned because of some of these studies and finding that it may have happened a lot faster than possible. Pegmatites are formed when the rising magma cools inside the earth and they feature some of the earth's... Um, uh, crystals. 
Okay, South Dakota's Eta Mine, for example, features log-sized crystals of lithium-rich spawnamine, which is like a clear kunzite. It's like a kunzite crystal, but it's clear, including one 42 feet in length, weighing estimated of 37 tons. By the way, kunzite, the reason it's purple is because of the lithium. If it doesn't have lithium in it, then it's just the spawnamine. So that's that's what makes the difference of these beautiful purple kunzonites that you see here in Southern California. Um, which the Ocean View Mine is famous for some of the most bluest, purplish kunzonites that have ever been found. But back to the study, they attempt to answer the question, how can such a large crystal be formed in these pegmatites? And instead of going through all of all of the details, they say that this magma cools pretty quickly because it comes from erupted lavas. It contains microscopic microscopic crystals, but in the same magna cools over tens of thousand years, there could be centimeter type crystals. When it quick cools quickly, they feel that this is what creates some of the largest crystals on earth. So how? How does that happen? So what they did was they used, and I'm going to try to pronounce this, which is a very difficult, um, I had the word here. Uh, they studied they studied this at a uh, Southern California mine. They don't tell us exactly which one, but it could have very well been one of these here in San Diego County. And they try to precisely map the, the chemical composition of the samples and do this study of these minerals and find out a mathematical model that would make these growth rates go up. So what they did is they found by doing this that the crystals that were a half inch wide and over a half inch long these grew in a matter of hours so the bigger they were the quicker they grew and um, so very interesting uh, one of the things they did uh, they realized that it had to do with the water it had to do with the mantle it had to do with the pressure it had to do with the precipitation of the water going out of that area the cooling the percentage of it um, and see how all of these things happen like I said I'm trying to kind of dumb it down um, and that all those factors would actually organize and order the arrangement of atoms quicker so that they would be able to form these crystals much quicker and much larger while the pegmatite was still forming um, also the pressure being lowered quickly all these things that happened all played a state in it and they studied this to see how crystals grew, they used both a cathodoluminous science micro, microscopic and laser ablation with a mass spectrometry to measure the precise amount of trace elements that are incorporated in the crystal mix at a dozen points during the growth. And all of this <laughs> helped them figure out why the bigger ones grew quicker. So kind of interesting, a lot of fun. Hopefully um, you enjoyed today's episode and we will try to have another one in a couple days or so. Just playing catch up from being gone last week. And uh, again, please check out our links. We're on Facebook, we're on MeWe, we're on, um, oh, I forget the other one, but we're on YouTube. And um, remember, rock hounds don't die, they petrify.